You know, of all the high-ranking problems we're currently facing as a species, what surprises me most about them is how little they're really talked about in any meaningful way. Perhaps most of the problems haven't become large enough to head into the mainstream sausage factory. For all of our advancements with distributed information at the tap of our thumbs, our institutions still gatekeep our attention. Perhaps that's a feature of civilization. There's a truth as I see it, though, that we as a collective, by design or fault, can only seem to focus on a few salacious topics at a time. None of which being the elephants in the room. One of these problems growing in magnitude in the United States seems to be slowly starting to capture our attention, but not yet our action. Whether we go on ignoring it or not, understanding the major facets of any problem is a lesson in the complexity we'll continue to contend with more and more and more in the coming decades. This story will start with a common plotline, where our methods of experimentation result in something novel being brought into existence, that when mixed with a society not ready for it, chaos ensues. Until a balance of powers finds a new homeostasis, eventually. A homeostasis we really can't afford to reach. There's many ideas and possible ways we can deal with this new reality. Because another truth is, the more we advance our technologies, the more we will create ever more complexity for us to wrestle with. That cycle will continue on forever and ever, each finding new ways of outpacing the other, growing collateral damage and factors to consider along the way. In other words, complexity breeds more complexity. My attempt with this essay, though, is to create a still life of the current state of fentanyl in my home country with a hefty dose of American pragmatism for how to accept and act on it as an individual. I'll briefly attempt to cram a current state of overdoses in the United States, the trends, overwhelming leader and what's causing it, in an attempt to give the listener and myself a common ground on the problem before coming in with that American pragmatism and proposing a simple, decentralized, short-term solution desperately needed to stem the tide. And a couple ideas of how long-term solutions should be kept in an open mind. First, the scene. Even though the rise of fentanyl as an issue hasn't taken over the discourse yet, I believe the broad strokes of what I'm about to lay out will resonate and sound familiar to my American listeners. As we await the total numbers from 2022, we'll start with the stats from 2021, where overdose deaths reached a record 107,000 souls. Breaking that large number down into something more understandable for our human minds, that equates to one death every five minutes for 365 days. In the time we can quickly get lost, moving our thumbs up and down a screen, another person has died. 
more than 80% of those 100,000 deaths were from fentanyl. Compare that to just 2018, or three years earlier, there was 67,000 overdose deaths, 40,000 less people. Our country's overdose deaths have been steadily rising over the years, hitting 64,000 in 2016, which was a banner year for an increase going up 20% from the year previous. Though, that's nothing compared to the 30% year-over-year jump in 2020, when the death count topped 93,000. 2016 was also for the first time where the amount of overdose deaths in the United States surpassed the total soldier casualty count from all of Vietnam, which was roughly 58,000 soldiers. The marquee year that was 2016 brought with it a downward trend in life expectancy. Deaths among young adults became a noteworthy contributor to the decrease in lifespan, with those deaths disproportionately due to overdose. As we await the results from 2022, I can count on one thing. The yearly average has increased. Just by how much? It's easy to get lulled into these percentages and how they increase in numbers flying through, 20% up, 30% up the year before, yada, yada, yada. And what we lose when we hypnotize our logical brain is the hockey stick increase snowballing more souls into an early grave. I'm going to prefer to break down the idea of a drug next, and I'm going to steal from the ancient Greeks to illustrate a point. See, the ancient Greeks used the same word, pharmacopoeia, to describe both drugs and poisons, which so happens to be where we get our word pharmaceutical from. See, the culture had a prim and proper understanding of medicine. The dose and frequency determines a substance's virtues, not the substance itself. All of marijuana wouldn't be thrown out for being pot, but a pothead would be using a drug, whereas a cancer patient smoking a joint, a medicine. See, this all makes sense in the case where you know the substance you're getting. When it comes to illicit or illegal drugs, the primary risk for users nearly across the board isn't the dose, but the purity. I would never advocate, encourage, or diminish the risk associated with taking just one dose of, say, crystal meth, but taking a dose of a pure substance carries far less risk than one laced with ammonia or some other chemical. Like, let's just remember, vitamin E oil that we saw in THC vapes were very recently giving people lung disease. There's also just straight up taking too much of a pure bag of one's preferred substance. Many a rock star has overdosed on heroin, expecting it to be a lower potency, or thinking they had a higher tolerance after being sober for a stint, only to end up with pupils the size of pinpoints before fading away and turning blue on the ground. Many drug addicts of, quote, harder substances were a regular occurrence in some of my circles younger in life, truth be told. However, rarely in my life, up until recently, 
did I hear of any overdoses personally? Even in my extended network, I even knew people who were mixing substances regularly and abusing them to a staggering degree. However, if I was to go back through my life today, hitting the same notes at the same times, just fast forward to now, if I was to enter some of the same shady circles and overall relive a life that was by no means the most extreme or the most tame, I'd experience many overdoses adjacent to me, with one hopefully not being me. Going by the statistics and trying my best not to lie with them, Overdose deaths beat gun and auto deaths combined in 2021. Winding back time before 9-11, in 1999, a mere 17,000 Americans died from overdoses. Think about that. In 1999, 17,000 people died. Two years ago, 107,000 died. A meteoric rise in this category of deaths of despair is a truly contemporary phenomenon. And it was already on a rapid rise before fentanyl. If you go back to 2012, 41,000 people died from overdoses, of which 1,600 deaths were from fentanyl. We have a lot of tragedies plaguing my America today, but somehow, the tragedy of addiction and silent death from opioids just isn't getting called upon. Perhaps they're not sexy or scary enough topics to hype up the news as contagion, bloodshed, flying debris, or Chinese spy balloons prove to be. So I'm going to call on some more of my history. Hannah Ardent coined a famous term when studying the everyday people who were the real engine of the Nazi government. Those who processed all the paperwork, planned all the logistics, that was an industrial killing of humans. She referred to that bureaucratic process wherein people can distance themselves from the actual act that was occurring, so long as they keep it in the mind of logistics, acronyms, terms, in other words, logic. Ardent minted it as the banality of evil. The ability to do horrible things so long as it's wrapped in logic. The banality of truth, in as far as I see it as a useful measuring stick, is that the spots we most desperately need to pay attention to and foster are those that are often the least appealing. Just like in the banality of evil, so long as it's done with a piece of paper and not a rifle, providing the resources to undertake gross acts of suffering, can have people sleeping just fine. I think we should be running headlong into wondering why illicit drugs are appealing in the first place, and why that's happening at an increasing rate. That's the paper to the bullets. Our society is plagued by a complete decay of our social and economic fabrics, but we're all too distracted and tied up with both of those to notice or even have the capacity to consider at any deep level. We've simultaneously received technology and supply advances that provide just enough comfort to lull a blindfold over our eyes and cover up the rot 
all while adjusting to the smell, making it easier to ignore. What drives somebody to pleasure and mental escapism or illness are numerous and varied by the individual. Not all drug use is equal, nor is the path there. Anything I'd lay out as the classic statistics I can easily call upon would mask the story of these souls, only to bend the numbers to suit whatever point I want. So instead, I'll pass an idea of some truth. There can be functioning heroin users that after you engage with them in a polite conversation and hearing about their contribution to society writ large would leave you shocked to find out that they took drugs, let alone heroin, or that some people in our lives from family members to colleagues to children or even parents buy illegal drugs from time to time or regularly. Not everyone is the dare stereotype. Some folks are just a parent who wants a Xanax to get some sleep or an office worker taking a bump of coke in a bar bathroom. Accepting that there are people out there who are casual drug users does not mean that we have to like drug use or maintain the same standing order of criminalizing drug users and spending ever more massive amounts of money and massive amounts of effort going to literal war with the underground, read, untaxed, distribution and manufacturers. Such as to say, if heroin and cocaine were illegal, with all the white-glove Apple Store aesthetic like purchasing weed in SoCal, I'd be concerned with the ramifications. But, but, putting my concern aside, is the status quo any better? We already have societal issues we're running away from, like our over-dependence on caffeine and a newly acquired taste for over-the-counter amphetamines. What would adding more openly available brain-altering chemicals do to it, other than making a new market of products to brand, package, distribute? However, accepting that drug use does occur, and likely will continue to increase, does not mean having to link any of the options presented, because they're all slippery. Legalizing and slapping corporate branding on currently illegal drugs would cure the issue of purity, but not demand. Our decaying society is going to create more addicts, whether it's sugar we eat or a powder we snort, until we start facing some of those problems. Because the truth of it is, the state of the nation is a rising in substance abuse, and business is a-booming. That is a banal truth. Profit margins in the business at present, though, are increasing. Actually straight through the roof on the untaxed underground market. Because the most major innovation to hit the market since crack cocaine is throwing a dash of fentanyl in it. Now, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. The drug was first used as an anesthetic for surgery, before moving on to a catch-all for all things pain, getting its big break for, quote, pain management in cancer patients. 
It's been prescribed in everything from nasal sprays for children to a local anesthetic. Now, though, it's used as a spice to doctor up everything from cocaine to ketamine. Being so much stronger than heroin, supposedly 19 grains of salt worth of pure fentanyl will kill you, meaning adding just a little bit to these drugs can give the user a desired state of altered consciousness, even if it's not wholly what they were expecting. And so long as the user doesn't die, what's the recourse as a purchaser if your illegal drugs had an effect to lock you into your couch instead of getting you excited to go out dancing? And that's in a best-case scenario. Some folks do seem to have a taste just for fentanyl as well. China white, as it's often called. But those that are unwittingly ingesting it are the ones that are most falling prey thinking they're going to partake in their typical illicit behavior the way they usually do it, only to quickly end up on the floor in a room full of fellow users, shocked and in dismay. Hopefully the string of occurrences that happened in that moment include having quick-acting fellows in the room, no traffic, and quick diagnostics by emergency staff to provide fast relief from the fentanyl. If not, we have another tick to our yearly death statistic every five minutes. How does fentanyl get to America? Well, many of the drug routes in the country are multi-billion dollar industries. That's how. And some of which they're shifting, most recently to Miami, based off of some DEA crackdowns. See, these drug routes are one of the few sectors in the economy growing year over year since the pandemic. In fact, it's accelerated by it, like many other economic trends since 2020. These drug smuggling ports are run by effective decentralized organizations called cartels that, as their name implies, they band together to create a monopoly on a portion of the market. Understanding the cartels in Latin America deserves multiple lives of study, preferably from a native of the region. However, one just needs to understand this. The Mexican drug cartels are interwoven into American society and economy. They're no longer separate entities. We don't want to see it or know it because it's not sexy. In fact, it's pretty fucking disturbing. If the cartels wanted to kill a whole generation of youth in America, or at least severely damage one, they could easily do it by pouring more fentanyl dust into the cocaine, ecstasy, or any number of drugs they supplement or corner the market bringing into the U.S. The crazy thing, if they wanted to do that versus actively are doing that, our present moment wouldn't look much dissimilar. Last year, the DEA captured enough fentanyl coming north of the border to kill every American. And that's just what they fucking caught. And that's it in its pure form, not counting when they capture cocaine that in it is jumbled in, not to mention what crosses the border unscathed, many times more than what's caught. Now let's remember, even lab-made products like fentanyl need supplies to be made. Nothing is a zero-sum. So to get the supplies to put a sprinkle of fen-fen in all these party favors, the cartels are going to the global supermarket economy. China. 
The giant elephant in the foreign affairs story between the U.S. and China isn't Taiwan. It's fentanyl. I sincerely don't understand why China's involvement with selling supplies upon supplies to make fentanyl is not being addressed, unless they start entertaining some more banal ideas. Enough fentanyl to kill every American can only happen with China selling compounds to the cartels. I don't want to invoke the whole country of China flippantly, for nothing happens in the whole of the Middle Kingdom without the expressed written consent of the Chinese Communist Party. Quite literally. There are CCP officials in every company in the country who answer up the chain of command within the party, who in turn control the whole government. Fuck, even the military is actually the military of the party, not the government. See, with China, we can't overlay our Western government's model and expect that things shake out the same way. They don't, so let's stop. When I say that the Chinese companies are delivering the necessary chemicals to manufacture fentanyl by ships protected by the Mexican Navy into ports controlled by the cartels, I want to strongly imply that the government of China is aware of what's occurring. And I'm sure they're getting their cut too. If we found out tomorrow that the French were doing this, we'd suddenly ban all kinds of French-adjacent products in protest. 20 years ago, they had to just question our idea of destabling an entire region and cause millions of unnecessary deaths to remove the French appropriation to fried potatoes. But if China does it, why divorce ourselves from that much profit? But... I digress. The truth, at least as I've come to understand it, if there's a market for something, in other words, people are willing to pay for it, it's not going away anytime soon, or easily, without getting outcompeted or smothered by a rival that's taking its market share. Out of a first principle of mine of opposing violence unless inordinately necessary, along with the recognition of the inherent nature of authority to corrupt. I oppose smothering at nearly every end. So then, how do we limit the market for overdoses? The long tail is the supply side, is to create less conditions for that to occur. And for that, I think we need a healthier society, which is a multi-generational problem. One I giddily and wholeheartedly throw myself into. But I'm also that American pragmatist about the world that we're currently living in, and I have to live in as well. So in that case, we must actively tend to our society to give it more vitality, while also limiting the market for overdose deaths. Naloxone is a nasal spray that when administered to someone on opioids, counteracts the chemicals, and no longer allows the opioids to get absorbed into the body. Having ready access to naloxone, usually talked about as the name brand Narcan, I think is a necessary banality we must accept. We need to know about it as an option, how to use it, and be stocked to the hilt. 
kids ending up on the floor isn't going to stop unless we start meeting them on the ground and helping them where they're at. Same goes with drug test kits, both to test the presence of fentanyl, but any drug that they're intending to take. Testing to make sure it is what they are expecting. If there's any presence of fentanyl, along with how potent is this? If we're going to attack fentanyl head-on and lower our unnecessary deaths, we have to accept all of this. It will make us better for doing so. Because we should ask ourselves before doing anything, what is our goal? Because without knowing our aim, we best continue on doing nothing, just as we are now. Is our aim to heal these folks, or to cap a hole? If we aim to heal, we must put ourselves in their position and empathize. No one chooses to slowly suffer away, or mistake a pill that's talked about as casually among wine women as Xanax, only to end up getting dead on account of it. Sometimes all we can do when living in a disaster is be prepared for someone to fall. Narcan won't stop those souls suffering, but it will allow them another chance to stop it themselves. We as a nation need to start talking with one another about fentanyl as an issue, as real and viscerally we would if there was barbarians at the gate or a hurricane bearing down. We need an open dialogue that we don't shy away from when getting into those uncomfortable shifting in our seats parts. When someone mentions in polite company how it's getting easier to purchase illicit drugs, like through Snapchat, or how we normalize taking pharmaceuticals to the hilt in our society. And perhaps, just perhaps, that's not leading to a healthy association for all drugs. Because it's not much of a stretch buying a Xanax on Snapchat versus buying it from somebody in a white coat, no matter how much we like to pretend there's a difference. Both of them can be done by simply rolling down a car window. Only the difference is one is regulated and properly dosed, and the other is smuggled over the frame of a car going northbound. Any parents listening, this is going to be uncomfortable, but I encourage you to have conversations with your kids about fentanyl and about illicit drugs and what overdoses look like, which can be characterized by a coma-like state often with pin-drop pupils. Teaching kids would also include learning what it looks like yourself. It's hard to accept that your child may take something, but they might. They might just be thinking they're taking something, quote, harmless, like Adderall or Percocet. They may even be just be desperately wanting to calm down. And also, they may not be in the situation themselves. But true to our time, and the trend we're silently witnessing, they're highly likely to be around an overdose at some point. So I'm encouraging as many people that can to purchase Narcan and have that at hand, even giving it to your child, teaching them the importance of it, and teaching it to everyone in the house how to use it. You can buy it at any CVS, just ask the pharmacist. Festival folks and party people, test your shit. 
and have Narcan ready for those that don't. If anyone is planning on taking illicit drugs, I have no desire to preach to you anything other than this. Test what you're taking and be careful. Be sure it is what you think it is. Don't ruin your night. Don't ruin a life. This problem, like any other, needs to be taken over at the individual, two-hands level. We need to decentralize and communicate to start the progress. Of course, we still need attention at the national level, because without the cartels producing this, after unloading Chinese boats protected by the Mexican Navy, we wouldn't be having the same discussion. Which ultimately begs the question, do we need to outcompete the cartel market with one of our own? But that is a whole other bag of worms. For now, I think we need to accept our fate as we currently see it and fight back. Including abolishing maddening laws of like the illegality of fentanyl test strips in Texas, which I hope they finally stop. Because that's some freedom in the Lone Star State which I would love to plug, is a lovely example in how authority is inherently corrupt. We need to have bigger solutions that take time and are direct in action as a collective, but it can't take the form of anything we've seen before, because all the war on drugs has done is create bigger business out of locking people away in more ignorance as to the causes. I'm telling you, we can cut those overdose deaths down to a third of what they were, all from each of us talking about it and simply being aware. We don't have to dream. That is a possibility. We just have to accept that this is our reality. Accept we didn't get here overnight. Nor will we get out of it with a few obscure words on a page that we consider sacred, unbreakable laws. We have to get out of it one by one. Individuals overdose, individuals will be the antidote.